0: Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. One of the things that we Christians are required to do is to walk in obedience to the Lord. And there are consequences for not walking in obedience. And that's what I'm gonna talk about today. In Alaska, off the coast, there's an island called Bear Island. And it is inhabited by Kodiak bears and other wildlife. They call them the dinner bell bears because anyone that goes there hunting, they shoot something and the bears run towards the shot. Because they know something died and they're looking for a free meal. Well, in the middle of that island is a swamp. And there is only one safe path through that swamp. And it's not like a normal path we would see around here in the woods, where it's kind of just beaten down in a, you know, a line. There, the path is composed of bear prints, okay? Beaten down, all brown, just dirt and then the next print, and then the next print. Because when Mama Bear takes her cubs through the swamp, she steps where her mother stepped to teach her. The cubs come along and step in, her mother, in their mother's steps. And they've been doing that for hundreds of years. Now think about that as I read through this passage in Jeremiah chapter 6, starting in verse 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk in it. I set watchmen over them, saying, Pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not pay attention. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Here, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. What use to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba or sweet cane from a distant land. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will lay before this people stumbling blocks against which they shall stumble. Fathers and sons together, neighborhood and friend shall perish. Stand by the roads or in the NIV, the crossroads. Stand by the crossroads and choose the ancient path, the good way. Crossroads. I would equate that with any life-changing decision that we face. Whatever it may be. Change of job, who to marry, what school to go to, whatever it may be. Those decisions that we make, and we still face them as old folk. I know because I are one. We still face those life-changing decisions at times. And when we do, how are we going to choose... Which way are we going to go? Because those decision points can and will change your life and the lives of those around you. And if it's a bad choice, the consequences are there. If it's a good choice, the consequences are there also. And it's something we need to look at. And Jeremiah is saying here, look how those before you have gone. Look at those people you respect. Look at the the decisions they have made. If it was a good decision, do something similar. If it was a bad one, avoid it. But so many of us today, we don't look to people we respect or our elders. We don't look for advice. We just bull ahead. And then we're turning around going, God, how would I get into this pickle? You know, or, or God, how did you let me get into this pickle? And this is the thing. Yes, God brings trials into our life. He'll put us at those crossroads. But it's up to us to make the right choice. Now, God will use our bad choices. Believe me, I've got a ton of them in my wake. All kinds of bad choices. I'll just say this. I was an alcoholic when I came to faith in the Lord. And if any of you know any alcoholics, you know the chain of bad decisions they make while they're drinking. But the point is, if you look to the Lord, you look to those who have walked the path before you, then you don't have to make those mistakes. And this is something I find us, many Christians don't teach their children that. You know, my dad was very honest with me, told me about his youth, about the mistakes he made, hoping I wouldn't do the same thing. Uh, But I did. But the fact is, are we leading those behind us in the right direction? That's what he's talking about here. Are we like the mama bear? Are we walking the safe path? Well, Jeremiah goes on. There's a result for that. Rest. For your souls, you know the Bible talks about rest for your souls. Jesus even talked about it, Matthew chapter eleven: "Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Well, how do you find rest for your souls in the midst of this topsy turvy culture we live in? Rest for your soul is peace of mind, no anxiety. No worry. No tossing and turning at night. Because you trust in the Lord. That should give you peace of mind. Look, I don't know what's going to happen when I walk out the door this morning. You know, I could get hit by a car or whatever it may be. I don't know. I don't know what lies for me in the next minute. But God does has my whole future laid out. He knows what's going to happen. In the road of life, he knows every pothole, every speed bump, every sharp turn, whatever the obstacle may be. He knows it's there. And if I trust in him to carry me through those obstacles, around them, under them, over them, whatever, I truly trust in him, I don't have to worry about what's around the bend. Matter of fact, I should not worry And worry is the thinking part of anxiety. And anxiety is based on fear of what if. So many of us sit down, a friend's in the hospital, and we're afraid that he won't make it. And so we have anxiety, and then we worry. The thinking part that's rooted in fear. Whereas if we trust in the Lord, we can look at that and say, I love my friend. I want him here, my spouse, whoever. But it's up to you, Lord, and I trust in you that whatever transpires is for the best. And I know that's tough, folks. You know, when I first came into ministry, I thought maybe I'd end up being a chaplain in the cancer ward because I had so many of my family die from cancer. And then I fell in love with a young lady, and she died of cancer. I just figured this was the direction God was putting me in. It wasn't, thank God. (laughs) But um, the point being, I trust in him. Yeah, I may not like what's going to happen, but here's the thing. It's a what if. You cannot change a what if. And what ifs, maybe 99% of them are false. Maybe 1% of your what ifs Will actually happen. Just think back on it. All the times in your life, how many of your worries about what if never materialized? So we put ourselves through undue stress. (sighs) But that rest for our souls, that total trust in Jesus, will give us peace of mind because we trust God that whatever is going to happen is part of his plan, and it's ultimately for the best. So the reply of the people to this, we will not walk in your way. And do you know how many Christians I see every day who do not walk in the way of the Lord? Well, the young couple, they've decided to live together to test out what marriage might be like. I listened to another guy who claims to be saved, and... Nothing but profanity pours out of his mouth. He's mean, obnoxious, and rude. I look at other Christians and, you know, I see all of these sinful patterns in their life that they don't want to deal with. Yet alone, crack open the book and find out what God says to do about these issues in their lives. Are they just going to go on their merry way? Oh, well, God will forgive me. I hope that's not an attitude prevalent here. I hope it's not prevalent in any church. But yet I see it over and over and over. Basically, they're saying to God, I'll do it my way. And you know what? God will let you do it your way. He'll take his hands off of you. That's where we come down here and it says he will give them the fruit of their schemes or the fruit of their devices. But I'll get to that more in a minute. I said watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. I likened a trumpet to the word of God. And the watchmen are the spiritual leaders that God has placed in your life. Pastors, elders, parents, close friends who walk well with God. Those are the watchmen in your life. And are you paying attention to them? Do you listen to what they tell you? And this... Is your nose in this book, the Word of God? Are you listening to Him speak to you every day through the pages of this book? You know, one of the things I teach the men at the mission, I say, you don't have to read an entire chapter every day or an entire book. Read a verse, one verse, meditate on it throughout your day and see how it impacts that day, because it will. So many applications for that one verse will crop up throughout your day that you'll smack yourself in the head going, wow, I never knew that. But God will speak to you through... This is the main way God speaks to us today is through the Word, through the Bible. But if you're not in it, you're not hearing from Him. So He sets watchmen over us. He gives us spiritual leaders in our life. And then He gives us the Word as he speaks to us on a daily basis, giving us guidance, giving us comfort, giving us all the things that we desire if we only open the book and put our nose in it every day. But the response was, we will not listen. How many Christians do you know who never stick their nose in a book? Or if they do, it's only on Sunday morning for what the pastor's preaching. And what... Christians who don't read the book are doing is they are ignoring what God wants to communicate to them on a daily basis. So then God calls witnesses to his judgment. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices. I want to stop there. The fruit of their devices. The NIV says the fruit of their schemes. In other words, you reap what you live out. You reap what you think, what you plan. You know, we find ourselves in a situation that we really don't want to be in. Unexpected. And so we come up with a plan to get out of it without consulting the Lord. And what happens? God says, go ahead on. Do it your way. And when we do it our way, then things happen that we never intended to happen. The fruit of our schemes, the fruit of our devices. In other words, God will give us what we think we want. And let me tell you something, that's never a good thing. It never is. Your wisdom is infinitesimal compared to God's. And so many Christians, instead of sitting down and asking for wisdom from God, because James tells us if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask for it. God, how should I handle this situation? Read your Bible. He'll tell you how to handle it. Oh, the advice may seem strange, but if you do it his way, things will work out. Always have in my life except when I ignored him. Then they worked out not, <laughs> not very well. So this is one of those things, I think, more than anything, in this passage is telling us, seek God in difficult times. It's all there is to it. Don't make a plan. Lay it before God and say, God, I got this really great plan if you'll just bless it. You can say it's your plan, you deal with it. We need to seek him at all times. And I don't, I don't understand why so many Christians will not seek God except as a last resort. Well, oh God, my plan isn't working out, obviously. You got any suggestions for me? You notice how I put that. We need to pay attention to what God is telling us. We need to pay attention to garner his wisdom and deal with any situation we encounter as God directs us to. You know, there are so many things in Scripture that are so relevant. The whole book is relevant to us today. I don't care what passage you choose. You can choose the par bar passage out of 2 Corinthians. And if you're curious what that is, ask me after service. This is the thing. So many of us find life so difficult because we don't consult the Lord. It really is that simple. I served seven years in the Army as a young man, and I was on a night patrol, and I was point man. And it was the darkest night outside I've ever encountered. Completely overcast, the dark of the moon, and we were hundreds of miles from any city, so there was no light pollution in the sky. It was utterly dark. I literally could not see my hand in front of my face. All we could see were these two strips of luminescent tape on the back of our helmet. But I didn't have anyone in front of me. So I'd stand in place. The guy behind me with the compass would come up, turn my shoulders so I was facing in the proper direction. Tap me on the shoulder, I would walk fifty paces. Then he'd come up and do it again. That worked fine until I found the gully. I didn't see it, but I went into it, head first. Got tangled up in a bunch of bushes at the bottom. Before then I was walking through brush so thick, it could have been the only bush within fifty yards, but it was on my line. I had to go through it. Then I land up in the gully. And my friend Bill, who's behind me with the compass, he comes crawling up on his hands and knees. Chuck, Chuck, are you there? The point being, I was trying to make a path on my own. I wasn't a Christian then. So there was no thought in my mind of asking God to guide me through this mess. I couldn't get up out of the gully, so a couple of guys hauled me up. And we got back on our way. But how many times in life have you fallen into a gully because you are stumbling along on your own and not seeking the Lord? Believe me, every decision you make, you should be seeking the Lord. I don't mean, you know, when I walk out the door, should I go left or right? Okay? I mean, whenever you face a decision you're not sure of, ask the Lord. Ask him for wisdom in that situation. He will always guide you right, right where he wants you at. You may look around and say, well, I'm not too fond of this situation. God, why am I here? An excellent question. Why are you there? Because if God directed you there, it's for a reason. And if you got yourself there, well, God's going to use it for a reason. But believe me, it's way better to seek his guidance before you make the leap. It truly is. And what are the consequences here? Quite honestly, God rejects their worship. He rejects their offerings. He rejects their praise. He says he has no use for it. And I believe he does the same thing with Christians today who come to church, who sing praises to him, who give in the offering plate, and yet they're not truly following him. This is the part of this passage that frightens me. I want the Lord to accept my worship. I want him to accept my offerings. I hope you do too. Are you simply doing it to please those around you? You know, to please grandma. I don't know. It's something we all have to face And think about for ourselves. The point I'm trying to make here is that God judges disobedience, even on his children. And are we walking in obedience to God? You know, in the book of 1 John, John gives us four tests of our faith number one, our attitude towards sin. Number two, our obedience to God. Number three, Are we living out righteousness? Let's get back to the obedience to God. John says if you're not obedient to God, you're not faithful. Now we all know we're sinners. And we all know we're going to sin. But the point is, are you sinning more today than you did yesterday? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to cleanse you? Because 1 John also says... If we are faithful to confess, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So you're paying attention when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. And then are you responding to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in a biblical way? That can be tough. I remember when I was running an asphalt plant a long time ago. We had a new, new driver, and he was an old friend of mine. He came in one day, and uh, he said, Chuck, I've been talking to the other drivers here, and they tell me that when the plant breaks down, you are rude, obnoxious, downright nasty. And I said, well, yeah. I said, i got to get the plant up and running again. i got a production schedule to keep, and I don't have time for stupid questions. He said, yeah, yeah, I told him the same thing. But then one of them looked at me and said, yeah, but Chuck wants to be a preacher. That felt like a kick in the gut. So I sat down and I cracked open my Bible. I said, now what does God want me to do in this situation? So I made a list of all the drivers I knew who had been in the plant when it had broken down. Mostly the same drivers every day, so it wasn't that hard to make the list up. Pretty much all of them, but... uh, I sat down I said, okay. So as they would come into the plant, I would go up to each one of them, apologize, and ask for forgiveness. And you get some weird looks from guys who are not Christian when you ask for forgiveness, but uh, I did that. And then one day the plant broke down again, which it was always going to. I walked out, I took a look at it to see what I needed to get done. I turned around and walked back into my office, and there were six of them lined up staring at me. Was I going to be the same old Chuck? Or was my apology and asking for forgiveness genuine? So I didn't say anything to them. I answered their questions when they asked me. You know, and that's what I mean by responding in a biblical way. Whatever it may be, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin, you respond rightly. And then God will work to clean you up to take that pattern out of you. But again, it's paying attention to him as he speaks to you because conviction of the Holy Spirit is also God speaking to you. Now, I'm not going to tell you that walking with God in obedience is going to make your life a bed of roses. No such thing. Trials and tribulations will still come. They'll roll down like snow or like rain, whatever analogy you prefer but they'll always be there because God is growing you into the image of Jesus Christ. And our character never develops well without adversity. But if you want peace of mind through the adversity, then listen to this passage. Choose the ancient ways, the good ways, and walk in them. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, Thank you for this time together this morning. We thank you for your word and what it teaches us. And Father, we simply ask that as we go out here, we would be more like Jesus than when we came in. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chuck. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Listen for his voice. Don't be like those who are obstinate in that passage saying, we will not listen. Listen to the Lord.